It's Talk Back Arizona with Bill Brady on 1100 KFNX. Let your voice be heard. To talk to Bill and all of Arizona, call 602-277-5369 in the Phoenix Metro. Statewide, call 866-536-1100. Good afternoon, Bill Brady of the Post of Arizona, 1100 KFNX. January 6th, uh, there is a story that is out there. Uh, one told by the corporate media, one told by the Congressional Committee, but there is another story there. Uh, we brought this to you a number of months ago when Epic Times debuted their, uh, their film and documentary, The Real Story of January 6th, in the last week or so through Tucker Carlson, uh, and the Speaker of the House, uh, McCarthy, 40,000 hours of video have been released. Uh, and they show a different story, as did the Epic Times documentary, The Real Story of January 6th. Joe Hanneman is with us. Uh, he is an investigative reporter for the Epic Times. Joe, uh, good to talk to you again uh, the question that I have to lead with uh, in regard to this is the American people consuming the so-called mainstream media, the corporate media, uh, or the congressional hearings or the congressional uh, show trial have one view, one experience in terms of what happened on January 6th. Uh, but Epic Times reporting and now the video released by Speaker McCarthy really show a different uh, or at least aspects of a different story. How would you um, assess this in giving American citizens the 40,000-foot view? Hi, Bill. Thanks for having me uh, on again. I'm glad to be with you. Um, yeah, what this video release is going to mean for the American people is they're going to get to see for themselves uh, what the true context of everything that happened that day is. And that's been missing, whether it's been in the court cases or in the work of the uh, January 6th Select Committee. Uh, and they were very selective in what they showed uh, in their hearings. So um, this is going to allow, eventually, when this is hopefully posted on a public server and can be crowdsourced by anyone that wants to look at it, is to, you know, if, if, if a prosecutor has shown a, a supposed bad deed by somebody, you know, someone can go look and say, let's look at the previous half hour leading up to that and, and see if that changes the story at all or, or what the video was after that. So you can really get a sense in um, avoid you know, the whole idea of cherry-picking things, and we've certainly seen plenty of instances where that occurred, both in, in court cases and the criminal cases, but also with uh, in the public square with the January 6th committee. And I think that's one reason that we haven't seen these videos uh, released, except for things that were leaked um, over the past more than two years, because I... Uh, you know, the truth can be a real dangerous thing uh, when you've crafted a narrative that isn't based on truth. So 
certainly this this whole uh, release to Tucker Carlson and and shortly to the the rest of the media is a very big development. It is the 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 thing that strikes me is the the story that has been put out there is that we had an insurrection on January 6th promoted by and led by Donald Trump um, and that the people who were involved in that uh, their actions led to a number of deaths including deaths of uh, Capitol Police uh, and that they were attempting to overthrow the United States government. (laughs) If you look at some of the video this uh, cast of clown characters uh, had no capability of overthrowing the United States government. Uh, th- I mean, that's one thing that really has to be has to be said there. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did they find any of the so-called January sixth insurrectionists had any weapons on them? There was one. Um, one criminal case, uh, the case of Guy Reffitt from Texas, who uh, was armed that day. He had a uh, holstered weapon, uh, did not take it out. He did not use it against anybody. In fact, he he didn't strike police, but he did charge at them and, and you know, was, was bellicose. But uh, outside of that, you know, the, the stories that were, were told by some of the members of the January 6th committee about people with long guns up in trees and, you know, uh, dozens of people with rifles walking around near the ellipse. Uh, Those things were not true. And uh, this one of the the aspects of the narrative that was creative, that there was just hundreds of of dangerous armed insurrectionists roaming around the Capitol, and that's simply not the case. You know, and I don't know how you would have a revolution or an insurrection uh, without arms. Uh, and I think, given the number of people that surrounded the Capitol on January sixth, you know, of the, of the anywhere from eight hundred thousand to two million, you, you can pick your your crowd estimate that listened to President Trump speak. Hundreds of thousands of them went to the Capitol, and if you you look at the video, it's it's, it's really quite dramatic. Had that group had on its mind to to uh, sweep everyone out of power that day, uh, I don't think anything would have prevented them from doing it. Uh, so you know, it, it's I don't know if, if even the, the people on the left truly believe that, but it's a useful narrative. But you know, this this video I think is going to uh, put a nail in the coffin of that story. Bill Brady on the Pulse of Arizona, eleven hundred KFNX. Joe Hanneman is with us. Uh, Joe is an investigative reporter for the Epic Times, participated in the production of the documentary The Real Story of January 6th. Joe, this is the point where I have to ask a question of you because there is reality and there is then (laughs) Washington reality or corporate media reality. what, in your estimation, is the best description of what happened that day and why the effort to uh, distort it and concoct aspects of it that didn't happen uh, by the national media and by the Democrats? Well, it was clearly uh, an expression of outrage uh, by people who firmly believe 
based on evidence they'd seen that the election, at the very least, had had serious problems with fraud, if not that it was indeed outright stolen from President Trump. Uh, you know, I I think it it's not easy under any circumstance to draw that many people to Washington for a protest. Those, something that large just doesn't happen very often. So this was an extraordinary event. Um, and there was rioting that occurred. You know, that you know that certainly can't be denied. There was violence. Some of it was incited, but there's plenty of evidence to show that, that people who were ostensibly Donald Trump supporters uh, did violent things that day, and they're being prosecuted for that. But to say the entire gathering was a riot, I think, vastly overstates it. You know, most of the people that went to the Capitol and surrounded the Capitol were peaceful. Uh, you know, there were pockets of, of violence, including some, some very brutal uh, brawls between police and protesters. Um, and, and those are things that still need to be sorted out when all of this video comes out to, to get a better sense of uh, who, are, who are the instigators. And if there were instigators on the protester side, uh, where did they come from? You know, where did they go on the Capitol grounds that day? We, we have so many questions about those things that haven't been answered. Uh, but, you know, January 6th was, was, a, was primarily a protest. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as I've heard some people say that it was just uh, tourists walking around the Capitol. I, I think that understates some of the bad things that happened. But, uh, you know, it was a pretty good chunk of American society saying, hey, we don't like what went on on Election Day, and we want something to be done about it. And that's a story that has not come out in the major media in the sense that and this is something that I, I put myself in, in this, but it was my observation as an American citizen uh, in the aftermath of that, that the part of it that nobody covered was that you had this many people who were there and were angry over something, uh, and a responsible government should have looked at that and said, yeah, hey, uh, why are these people so angry instead of uh, just condemning, uh, condemning them and persecuting them? Uh, it certainly can be said that the people who went there that day, and you're absolutely right, it's hard to get 200 people to turn out for something, let alone pick the crowd to figure you want 800,000 or 2 million, to, to get that many people to show up at a time uh, voluntarily uh, for, uh, for a, a protest, a concert, or anything. But it strikes me that our, our news media coverage is so biased and unbalanced uh, that in looking at this event, there are people who have uh, uh, chosen to cover their ears, cover their eyes, and go, la, 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 I'm in my happy place. In the meantime, the, the truth is not out there. The truth is something different than what people have heard from the congressional committee or the major media. Yeah, and, and that's I think that's the fear from those who have promoted a narrative in you know the January sixth committee. Uh, I will give them credit for one thing: they they were honest about that. They used the term narrative, and narrative doesn't necessarily mean the truth. 
when you've crafted a storyline and you know they hired a, a story master to help uh, uh, produce their hearings instead of uh, being dedicated to the truth. And in, in fact, the the chairman of that committee, Representative Benny Thompson, uh, came out in the, in the past uh, 36 hours and said that the members of the committee didn't watch video. They they didn't directly go through the video. Now, assuming he's being honest, I found that to be an absolutely flabbergasting statement, <laughs> considering the bombast that came out of that committee, uh, in in the, you know the, the vitriol and the rhetoric, and and really destroyed the reputations of a lot of people. That that wasn't based on direct observation of evidence, and it was trusting uh, lower level staff to have gathered all this information. I, I that's. That's truly astounding, and, and quite frankly, it argues very heavily in favor of what I believe Speaker McCarthy is going to do, is to put all of this stuff out in the public and let, let it be crowdsourced. You know, we, the, then the truth is going to start to come out, but uh, you know, we, we haven't been getting it from those who control the information. And, and sadly, much of our, our media is the Praetorian Guard. You know, this, this is, let's pick a side, and we're going to defend the narrative, and, and it, it continues up to this day with the attacks on Fox News and, uh, you know, on the, the, the exclusive access that Tucker Carlson got, uh, you know, attack the messenger instead of say, hey, why don't we all agree that truth is a good thing and, and let's get some more of it. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the thing that strikes me, and uh, uh, I suppose this has been going on for my whole life, but certainly it has been omnipresent in the last few years. The thing I always said to my, my son was make good decisions, and the corollary to that is you can't make good decisions with bad information. And yet we have a, a, a news media that I, I think they're – they must perceive their mission to be brainwashing as opposed to informing people because they're perfectly content to leave these narratives uh, out there that uh, whether it's about COVID or whether it's about January 6th, that are just flat out inaccurate. When we come back, I want to go to a couple of the things that uh, in in the uh, real story of January 6th, the epic TV documentary, that I can't believe if the average American saw them, they would have the same take on the January 6th event. We'll be back in a moment. Bill Brady with Joe Hanneman, investigative reporter for the Epic Times, the producers of the documentary, The Real Story of January 6th. You can watch it on Epic TV. Uh, we will continue in a moment on the Pulse of Arizona, 1100 KFNX. Let your voice be heard. It's Talk Back Arizona on 1100 KFNX. Call 602-277-5369 in the Phoenix Metro. Statewide, call 866-536-1100. 526 Bill Brady on the Pulse of Arizona, 1100 KFNX. If you actually are interested in the truth, you should be reviewing the Epic Times coverage of January 6th, including the documentary film, The Real Story of January 6th, that is available at Epic TV and Epic Times. 
Joe Hanneman is with us. He's an investigative reporter for the Epic Times and participated in the production of The Real Story of January 6th. Joe, there are a couple of things that I remember from watching The Real Story of January 6th. One of them was the circumstance where there was a group, a large group of Capitol Police um, located on high ground at the Capitol above a group of protesters below. And correct me if my memory is inaccurate, the Capitol Police were firing into the crowd below. No, that's that's accurate. Uh, there were there were police, Capitol Police and Metropolitan Police, uh, on the lower west terrace, which is one level up from the ground, uh, that were lobbing grenades and firing rubber bullets down into the crowd below. There were also police uh, on the ground level behind their own police line that were lobbing uh, explosive munitions into a very tightly packed crowd. Um, and this was quite a, a fusillade that went on for more than an hour. And the, the crowd turned from fairly quiet and peaceful to very angry and noisy uh, as this went on. And eventually the, you know, the crowd surged forward and pushed the police back away from their line, and they had to retreat up the stairs. So this, uh, this use of force it was something you know, we had reviewed by... Uh, by a Phoenix area resident, uh, Stan Kephart, a uh, policing expert, and you know he said that that uh, the terribly improper use uh, of crowd control munitions uh, and the way they were used uh, risk serious injury or death. And and there were injuries uh, that day because of the way that uh, that the force was used. Uh, as he described it, it was used as punishment and not to try to get the crowd to disperse. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's the video of those things is really quite jarring. And what possible justification was there for doing that? This this was, it appeared at least, a group of police officers from two different, two different agencies that were acting out their anger or uh, the, their, their retribution against a group of people who were there protesting. Uh, and they were doing it from uh, from uh, a position above and therefore an advantageous position for observing and firing into the crowd below. And as you said, this this wasn't just rubber bullets. This was grenades. Yeah, and we had we had some people whose clothing uh, caught on fire. Uh, there was a gentleman who got some burns on his face and his hair was singed. Uh, and, and, you know, two of those uh, munitions landed very near two of the four people who died that day. Uh, now, those gentlemen died, uh, according to the medical examiner, of natural causes from cardiac events. Uh, but you, you can imagine if something that big exploded two or three feet from the, the side of your head, uh, that kind of a scare and that kind of jolt of adrenaline certainly would be something you would want to take a look at if you're trying to assess cause and effect. If you're uh, trying to yeah, assess cause and effect uh, properly and credibly, we will continue in a moment. Joe Hanneman is with us, investigative reporter for the Epic Times, 
the Epic Times has produced a, 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 an outstanding documentary called The Real Story of January 6th, available on Epic TV uh, or through Epic Times. We'll continue with Joe in a moment right after the 5.30 news. It's Talk Back Arizona with Bill Brady on 1100 KFNX. Let your voice be heard. To talk to Bill and all of Arizona, call 602-277-5369 in the Phoenix Metro. Statewide, call 866-536-1100. Good afternoon. Bill Brady on the Pulse of Arizona, 1100 KFNX. Joe Hanneman is with us, investigative reporter for the Epic Times. The Epic Times has done a phenomenal documentary on January 6th, which tells a different story than the so-called official narrative uh, of the mainstream media uh, or of the so-called select congressional committee. There is so much to cover here, Joe, it's, uh, it's almost impossible to stop, recap, and then have enough time to to cover some of the additional elements of this. But um, in our first half hour, we talked about uh, what has been revealed through the 40,000 hours of video that is being released by uh, Speaker of the House McCarthy and has been released through Tucker Carlson of Fox News. Uh, There also was video uh, in the epic times documentary the real story of january 6th that showed some very disturbing things that uh, to the best of my knowledge and again correct me if i'm wrong on this did not see the light of day in the congressional hearings so we talked about the capitol police and the metropolitan police firing grenades into the crowd below uh, which the crowd would certainly have been at a physical disadvantage uh, being below Uh, the police in that circumstance. Then we also had, and we'll get to Ashley Babbitt uh, within the half hour, but we also had the woman who was uh, badly beaten by four or five Metropolitan Police officers in the tunnel. And then there is also um, uh, the, uh, the additional case of Roseanne Boylan, that occurred that day. Um, if, if you would cover both of those, because again, all we ever hear about is police officer Brian Sicknick, uh, who died and uh, supposedly was uh, struck with a fire extinguisher. Problem was that wasn't true, and he died the next day of a, of a stroke. Certainly these things could have been brought on by the events of January 6th, but he did not die as a result of trauma, which was the first uh, suggestion. So if you would cover the woman in the tunnel and how badly hurt she was, she's being prosecuted for her actions that day. And also uh, the case of Roseanne Boylan uh, on that uh, same January 6th day. Yes, uh, Victoria White from Rochester, Minnesota, uh, she had kind of got swept into the tunnel just a little bit after 4 o'clock that afternoon. And uh, a, just before she had come in there, there was a, there was a gentleman in a parka uh, who had become a target of one of the supervisors who was uh, 
sharpening up his uh, his collapsible baton, steel baton, on this fellow's head, and that that guy, uh, you know, beat it for the hills, and suddenly Victoria White is within the the uh, within striking range of this officer, and she then became a target, uh, and she was struck, you know, by our count, it was 39 times in the head, in the face. Uh, both strikes from a uh, steel baton, but also uh, punches directly to the side of her head with uh, the closed fist from this supervisor and others. Uh, you know, there were some other officers around her that uh, used their batons like an overhead spear and speared at her shoulders and at her neck and head. And she was just wildly spinning. It, it's it's quite sickening to watch uh, to watch the, this body cam video and see she was just uh, i don't think she remembers most of it considering the number of blows to her head it's it's uh it's really amazing that the the woman survived at all uh but it just was it, it was brutal and and she is facing a, a number of charges uh and she was all set to take a plea deal i think she had been convinced that uh, even though she has stated her innocence all along that she should take a plea deal, and then she decided at the last minute, no, she's going to go to trial. Uh, and I think that that decision probably set off some fear in the Department of Justice because then America is going to see all of this video, and we found some new body cam just in the past six weeks that you know, gives even more uh, different views to what she experienced. And I think America's going to get a front row seat to to seeing, you know, a, a serious abuse of police power uh, and, and one that hasn't been really investigated uh, and certainly not prosecuted. So that uh, Victoria's case was one of the one of the, you know, that really stood out that day in terms of excesses. Um, Roseanne Boylan, uh, now she, she was the uh, <clears throat> she was the fourth person to die on January 6th, and, and despite what uh, the January 6th committee and others like to say, there were no police officers who died on January 6th. Um, you know, we, we've heard that anything from, you know, two to five, and, and Benny Thompson of the, the January 6th committee uh, said that during uh, live testimony on numerous occasions, and, and these folks, had they know this isn't true. Uh, but to put that put that forth in, in uh, Brian Sicknick, his case, you know, you, you hate to see somebody used for a political reason like that. It's it's very sad. But uh, Roseanne, much like Victoria White, she came into that same space in the tunnel about 15, 20 minutes after Victoria was taken out. Um, and this is a, a time when the police had retreated into the building, and so the crowd filled in the tunnel, and uh, Roseanne, looked, she just she literally did look like a tourist walking in, and at that time, the crowd was not, you know, was not doing anything bad, uh, and it was about 4.20 in the afternoon, and the police decided to uh, deploy some gas, and you can see it on the security video, this, this kind of rolling cloud goes out, and in an enclosed space like that, what gas tends to do is it displaces the oxygen and the witnesses that we interviewed said they literally could not exhale or inhale it's a terrifying sensation and they all turned and tried to run 
for fresh air outside of the tunnel. And Roseanne, you know, we don't know if she tripped or if she blacked out because either either one could certainly happen. Uh, but she was down right at the mouth of the tunnel. And before long, people had tripped and fallen on top of her. And it was it was just a, a human tragedy. You were talking five to six deep, uh, like a waterfall of humanity down the steps. And while this was happening, the police were pushing, making a very hard push to get everyone out of the tunnel. Uh, and you can hear on the body camera that we've discovered just the screams that, please, stop pushing. There, there are people being trampled. People are trapped. People are dying. Uh, it, you know, it's heartbreaking to listen to. And there was the only response from those officers was just to continue. They, they pushed a number of people on top of Roseanne, uh, and then she, le- she lost consciousness during that. You know, literally the life was squeezed out of her, or at least the consciousness was squeezed out of her. And, uh, you know, once they untangled that pile, that mess, and they freed her, uh, then a short time later a Metropolitan Police officer, for reasons that I think escaped absolutely everyone, she picked up a wooden walking stick that a, that a protester had thrown into the tunnel, and she wielded it really almost like an axe against Roseanne Boylan, striking her in the ribs once and twice in the head and face. And uh, her, her friend, who was right down there you know, at face level, said when she was struck in the head that she began bleeding from the nose. So we're, we're pretty sure she was still alive at that point. Uh, and this officer, you know, if you watch the video, just totally lost it and was just wildly flailing at her. And she was, this officer was pulled away by her colleagues, and they literally dragged her into the tunnel and back into the Capitol. And she was just wildly flailing while, the, while her colleagues were dragging her back. And, I can't breathe. And, uh, you know, it's remarkable that to attack an unconscious, prone woman uh, with such a, a hardened weapon, especially in the head, that's deadly force. Uh, and then to have your employer deem that as objectively reasonable, uh, I think that tells you really everything you need to know about what January, what happened on January 6th, uh, that, that kind of alternative reality where, where a brutal beating like that is, is uh, deemed reasonable. Uh, that or the murder of Ashley Babbitt that day. Uh, I saw some video, I believe it was shot by the New Yorker, which uh, showed the scene uh, in the Capitol uh, with Ashley Babbitt approaching uh, the glass panel which had been broken out to the right of the doors which were closed. And she p- tries to pull herself up through the, through the jagged, broken glass panel there. Now, she's a big girl. She's former military. She's a big girl. Um, as I recall it, there's no way she was getting through the opening in that panel. But she was shot uh, point blank and killed there. And the Capitol District or the Capitol Police officer in, involved in that not only was not prosecuted, I believe he was honored. Yeah, the, Ashley Babbitt, that case is obviously the, the biggest tragedy of that day. And, and 
and actually, 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 Babbitt is is actually quite small. Uh, and this is one of the the points that that her uh, her widower has made is that she's five foot two, and uh, you know, 115 pounds. So this was not somebody who who posed a an imposing presence. Uh, like she was going to jump through and challenge somebody to some sort of a, a physical altercation. Um, Lieutenant Michael Byrd had his uh, Glock uh, service weapon pointed at that window before anyone emerged. So, it, you know, it, there was certainly the possibility that anything that, that came through there, if it was Ashley or somebody else, was going to get shot. Uh, and, she, you know, she had barely emerged in in that window you know her her head was not fully through uh, when lieutenant bird discharged his weapon and it struck her in in the left shoulder and just cut right across her upper chest and uh, and caused wounds that ultimately were were fatal but she she was not armed and you know there there were the use of force expert we interviewed in our film said there were plenty of options and retreat would have been the first one that they had to retreat until, or to to be aggressive and go up to the window and just grab her and pull her through. She was wearing a backpack; it would have probably been fairly easy to pull her through and and then to put her in cuffs um, and and use an approach like that. But but to stand from a hidden position that he was in, uh, there was likely no way she could see him. And then to to fire before she had even emerged through that window. Uh, really was a uh, <clears throat> a very sad thing indeed. Well, you, you call it sad. I call it a slaughter uh, because uh, while I d- did not know her actual height and weight, when you see the uh, the the visage of her approaching the wim- window and then trying to climb through it, uh, the backpack was part of her visage, but she this was not somebody who was just going to leap through it. Um, and and as you said, she had not even passed through it, um, and yet was uh, was shot in cold blood. I want to get to the 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 uh, uh, the contagion, I'll call it, that uh, occurred with law enforcement that day, and occurs in other places of war and and police uh, activity and rioter activity for that matter, we saw in the summer of uh, 2020, uh, because this, uh, within the event, there are events within the event, and that and what happened with Roseanne Boylan and the woman in the tunnel would would all be uh, these examples of police ex- excess against American citizens. We will continue in a moment. Joe Hanneman is with us. He's an investigative reporter for the Epic Times and has participated in the Epic Times documentary, which you should go out of your way to watch, called The Real Story of January 6th, available through Epic TV and also through uh, the Epic Times website. We will continue in a moment. Bill Brady on the Pulse of Arizona, 1100 KFNX. Let your voice be heard. It's Talkback Arizona on 1100 KFNX. Call 602-277-5369 in the Phoenix Metro. Statewide, call 866-536-1100. 554, we are back. Bill Brady on the Pulse of Arizona, 1100 KFNX. Joe Hanneman is with us, investigative reporter for the Epic Times. Now, Joe... 
it, the uh, Joe is a part of the uh, the documentary uh, team producing the real story of January sixth, which I would urge you and implore you if you would like to be a well informed citizen to go to Epic TV or the Epic Times newspaper website uh, in order to see that documentary. Uh, Joe, we, we just talked about a series of uh, incidents uh, uh, involving uh, the Capitol Police, the Metropolitan Police, uh, the police firing uh, uh, grenades into the crowd below, uh, the cases of Ashley Babbitt um, and two other women uh, who uh, were either beaten or trampled in the tunnel that day. Um, was there some sort of contagion as this thing got out of control where we saw this just ugly police behavior that day? It's it's hard to say. I mean, the the Metropolitan Police have have said that they investigated all uses of force that day, uh, and they deemed them all justifiable across the entire day, which which is quite remarkable considering uh, the case of of uh, Roseanne Boyland being beaten by Officer Lila Morris, who was sent to the Super Bowl and honored as a hero for that day. Uh, that if there truly had been a use of force investigation, uh, you know, they would have analyzed and been able to explain in their policies how it is allowed that uh, you can come upon a downed person who may not have even had a pulse at that point and start striking them with a stick. Uh, you know, those <clears throat> those things are just incredible. And what what motivated it, uh, I'd love to know. I you know perhaps when civil suits are filed, and I, I have to believe at some point, uh, I, I know the Babbitt family will be doing that, but uh, you know, in terms of Roseanne Boylan's family, I don't know. But to, to get someone like uh, Officer Morris on the stand and depose her and ask precisely what were you thinking? Uh, why, would you, why would you turn and, and attack somebody like this? Uh, and, you know, I've heard a couple of attorneys reference something, and this, this I don't know if this is anything more than a theory, uh, but the extremely heavy use of, of chemical irritants, uh, OC spray, which commonly known as mace or, or pepper spray, uh, was rained down on everyone, including the police. Uh, you know, it was, like a, it was like a spring thunderstorm, and you use spray like that that heavily. And it can cause all sorts of, uh, of psychological, physiological, physiological issues. Um, and I understand from some some uh, defense attorneys that have researched this that includes uh, turning people to violence, people that normally wouldn't be. Now, I you know I don't know to what degree that's true. Uh, you know if that affected police officers and protesters. But that is certainly one thing that I think needs to be looked at, uh, because you would you look at some of these actions and think, uh, how could anyone countenance something like this and, and endorse it? You know, certainly officers are not trained to do these things. Uh, if you're going to strike someone in the head with a steel object, that's deadly force. And as 
Stan Kephart uh, in our film pointed out, if your intent was to kill someone, you should have used your firearm, you know, not used a steel baton on somebody's skull. Uh, so it, it's one of the questions that still remains out there, and, and there hasn't been a satisfactory answer to it. Oh, most certainly not. And uh, and, and the other thing I would say is it's as if everything that was done that uh, that day, police good, protesters bad, and, uh, and there, this is obviously, and I'll use a term which is not necessarily uh, the, the best use of it, but this is certainly more nuanced than that. Joe Hanneman is with us. He is an uh, investigative reporter for the Epic Times and part of the team that put together the real story of January 6th, which is an outstanding documentary uh, by Epic TV and Epic Times. We will come back. Joe is going to stay with us into the next hour. There is a lot more to talk about uh, here Uh, And we will do the thank you, Joe. Joe Hanneman, investigative reporter for the Epic Times, will continue right after the 6 o'clock news. News. Talk. Sports. The Pulse of Arizona. 1100 KFNX.